If you don't know what that is, when I went to Gulu, Africa, uh, I preached to a few thousand pastors. My brother tricked me to go over there, but it was amazing. And they don't clap over there. They don't amen. They just go loo, loo, loo the whole time. I liked it so much that I brought it back to America. It's now in 46 states. Wherever I go, I bring it. And uh, it means I have victory over my enemy. So if you've got victory over your enemy on three, be loud about it. I want the kids to hear us. One, two, three. Loo, 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 loo. <laughs> have a good time with it. I encourage you. We have, me and my brother do a daily Bible study. It's the number one daily Bible study on YouTube called Wake Up. And so I encourage you, ever get some time, you want to get a little encouragement, it's like 10 minutes, some encouragement, build you up a little bit, have have some fun. I do have product out there. And um, a few things, my books are one for 15 or you can get two for 20. And uh, Married for Life, this is me and Holly's book, we wrote this. This is how to get in and out of arguments in five minutes or less. Come on, somebody, you fought on the way to church. Who wants a free one of this? Who wants one of those? There we go, you got this one right there. <laughs> this, is the, this is the Think Like a Billionaire. Yeah, I'll give this to you. Think Like a Billionaire, it's been my number one selling book. It is basically changing how you think, changes as a man thinks, so is he. And so uh, who wants that one? Come on, yeah, give it right over here. Give it right there. Me and my brother wrote a book together called Thrive. It's the secret to thriving in life. And uh, it gives you all, it, it's, it's a great read, step by step how to have biblical principles come into your life. Kingdom living makes a kingdom life. Uh, Give that to whoever wants that one. And if you're starting a business, have a business. This is my brand new book on how to build a business. I have have had over 25 businesses. I currently have seven successful businesses. This is step-by-step guide of how to, and that's your choice. There you go, amen? Oh, there we go, amen, amen. I like to start off with something kind of fun and something kind of funny. And uh, so uh, a 63-year-old woman, she has a heart attack and they rush her down to the hospital. They get her on the, on the bed, they're, they're doing the electro things and all of a sudden she just flat lines. And she had that out-of-body experience where she kind of floated above her bed and she's looking down and all of a sudden she heard God's voice say, you have another 40 years. Another 40 years. And all of a sudden she went back into the body and she woke right up, right? And they, they worked on her some. And the next morning, you know, she's talking to the doctor. The doctor's like, it's a miracle. You were dead. You, you're back. She's like, I got 40 more years to live. She goes, you know what? If I have 40 years, I'm, I'm just going to enjoy this season. I'm, I'm just going to enjoy it. She goes, I want to get all the work done. I just, it doesn't matter what it costs. I'm, I'm going to make this thing look hot again. She's like, so... I'm gonna get the tummy tuck, I'm gonna get the, all, all the face all tucked, I got a nose thing that I wanna get down and get my lips all, all, all done, hair plugs, and it took a month to do all of the work on her. She was in the hospital for one month getting all this plastic surgery, and finally she was done, they wheelchaired her outside, and doors opened up, she got up out of the wheelchair, and stretched a little bit, and then she started walking to her car, and a big bus hit her and killed her. I know. She gets up to heaven. She goes, God, I thought you said I had 40 years. God goes, I didn't recognize you. <laughs> Open up your Bibles to 2 Chronicles, to, uh, 2 Chronicles 20, 21. I had taught a series uh, a, a couple months ago on being happy all the time. It was called Triggered. And how do we have happiness? And Paul gives us the recipe in Philippians 4. He actually says, I'll give you the recipe of being able to be happy in the high times 
and in the low times. He says, I can be happy if I'm in prison or not in prison, whether I'm abounding or not abounding, no matter what's going on, no matter what political party is doing whatever, no matter what's going on in the economy, no matter what, he says, we have the ability as Christians to be happy all of the time. But as I was finishing in that series up, I felt like God was speaking to me saying, you know what's better than being happy when you have bad times? Is not having bad times. He said, that's a whole lot easier. And I kind of got it, me and Holly, when we, we actually vacation up in Cape Cod, and I got up one morning, and we we're sitting there and overlooking the lake, and we have our entire family, all, all 10 around us, and enjoying, and she says to me, she goes, we've created a life that it would be very hard not to be happy in. And I thought about that. We have created a life. There was a tremendous amount of things that we did in our 20s and our 30s, and our 40s that got us to where we are today. And so today I'm gonna talk to you about putting joy up ahead. That God gives us the principles where we can put joy ahead of us. Where we can create a future that makes it very difficult to be unhappy. Yes, we can be happy in the mountaintops and in the valleys. But I would rather be in the mountaintops as much as possible and not be so much in the valleys. And what's exciting about this is no matter where you are in life right now, you can begin to put joy up ahead of you. You know, the Bible says that Jesus went to the cross for the joy set before him. There was a joy, he knew there was a joy. But there was a pain here that gave a great joy up there. That's God's principles. God's principles are, is we have a little bit of pain to put joy up ahead of us. The world's principles are, get a little bit of joy and it puts a lot of pain up ahead of us. Romans 8, Romans 8 talks about that, that if you live your life by the Spirit, you do kingdom living, right? It hurts a little bit to come home and, and, and be loving and nice sometimes to somebody who maybe is, had a bad day and a little moody, right? It hurts. Right, but I'm putting joy into my future. Working hard and giving my best in my job, yes, I get it. It's, it's work and a lot of people don't do it, but I'm putting joy into my future. The Bible is cover to cover principles about how to do, put joy in your future, but the Bible says in Romans 8 that if, if you live by the flesh, right, joy, you bring a lot of pain, you bring a lot of death to your future, death to relationships, death to finances, a lot of those things happen because we're not living according to the word and the Bible is the opposite of the world. You ever notice it? Everything that God tells us to do is the opposite of what culture and everybody around us wants to do. It's the exact opposite, why is that? Because the devil doesn't want you to have a great future. So everything that the world is selling you, everything the Kardashians tells you about how to have a great relationship, everything that the view says that if you're gonna have a great life is the opposite of the word of God, right? And it's amazing because Jesus comes down and he goes, hey, right, because the world says if somebody's mean to you, you be mean back. Jesus goes, no, no, no. No, if somebody's mean to you, you be nice back. If somebody says something rude, you say something nice. If somebody talks about you behind your back, you say something encouraging about them, right? If somebody hurts you, you forgive them. Everything, he says, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. He says, when you show up somewhere, make sure other people get the best and you take the worst because then God will give you the best because God is my promoter, the world is not my promoter. Come on, can I get an amen, a lulu anywhere in the house? It's the opposite. Everything in life is the opposite, but if we'll live a life 
in God's way. There were things that me and Holly did, I talked about this in, in the parenting conference, is that we started going 32 weeks a year to parenting conferences for the first two years, and then we did 16 weeks a year for 10 years, and then we began to teach 16 weeks a year for the next 20, like it, this is, right, we were doing what? We were putting joy into our family's future. It took work, it took effort, being a great parent. How many people know that great kids don't just happen? No, it takes work, it takes effort, it takes wisdom, it takes sacrifice, but then you create a world like me and Holly are enjoying today because we put forth the work in our 20s, our 30s, and 40s, and now we're putting forth work in our 50s to put joy into our 60s, into our 70s. We're putting joy up ahead. Um, how many people know Dr. Tom, my dad? You all know, he comes out here all the day. Come on, give, you can give Dr. Tom, uh, my dad. And uh, my dad, and I don't know if you know this, and Pastor will tell you this, he loves dessert. Like in in a crazy way. Like the man loves, like if you ask him about any restaurant ever, it doesn't matter if it's high end or low end, he knows, like he'll tell you right away, the best dessert there. Doesn't matter if it's the most expensive restaurant or the Arby's. He has a dessert everywhere you go. So I I was out with him and mom, we go out to lunch once a week and and we were talking and and the server comes up at the end of the meal and goes, what would you like for dessert? And uh, my dad goes, "No, no dessert for me. And I, I, I literally thought Jesus was coming back. I didn't know what that, I'm like, how did, what happened? What's going on? Right? And so she, I go, what's going on? And my mom goes, she goes, your dad, we don't know what's going on right now, but anytime your dad has dessert, his legs get excruciating pain. So he's like, yes, I'm not having it. He's like, so I'm off dessert. So the next week we go on our, our guy's fishing trip up to Wisconsin, where my dad grew up, right? Now, at this place is the Winter Cafe where they make the greatest vanilla cream homemade graham cracker crust pie in the world. My dad has been eating this pie for 70 years. When he was a child, he was eating this pie. Every year we go back and we order two of them, right? And then we, pick, we order them on Monday and then we have to, it takes two days and we pick them up on Wednesday. So we picked up the two pies on Wednesday, right? We go home, we have a big meal, and so we get one pie out and me and the kids and my brother, we all eat, and my dad was so good. So great, he just sat there, he was happy, he was fine, we ate the pie, and then you know, we had some games, and then we went to bed, and so I, all of a sudden I kinda wanted to get a drink, so I got up, right, and I go into the kitchen, the lights are off, and there is my dad hunched over the counter, and he is just shoveling in this pie as fast, right, in the, and he looks up to me, he's got like ring on his face, he's like, I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm eating pie, and I go, Dad, what about your legs? He goes, they're on fire, they hurt so bad. And then he just went back to it. (laughs) Isn't that what we do? That's the world's principle. Like we're just doing this and it's bringing pain into our life, it's not bringing the good things. But if I'll just do God's principles, it'll bring into my future. Right? If I just do God's, there's things that we can do in our marriage. It takes work and it takes effort. But if I'll do those things, it'll put joy into my future. With my children, going to church, right? It's, it's work to go to church. You all, give yourselves a hand clap. You're here today. You got ready, right? You put it all, right? 
but joy in your future. One of the greatest things that my parents did when they got saved in 1972 is we never missed church. And it created a legacy that we have today. We didn't even realize it, but it was so important to be in, it takes work to be in God's house, but it's putting joy into your, kids that go to church on a weekly basis are so happier, by statistically, they're happier, less likely to get on drugs, less likely to get on alcohol, less likely for teen pregnancy, less likely, every statistic, get better grades, are kids that go to church weekly. What is that? Effort puts joy into my future. Today I'm gonna talk to you about one of the most powerful things that Christians have, one to put joy up ahead of me, but put victory up ahead of me. Now, I don't know where you are in your life. I think that life has its battles. We all have battles here and there. We, have, we deal with battles. But today, I'm gonna tell, tell you whether you have a little battle or a big battle. What is the most powerful thing we have available to us to be able to put victory up ahead of us? Something that victory has to respond to. And it's so backwards. It's so opposite of what the world tells us to do. But God's principles are always going to be opposite. We're gonna be in 2 Chronicles and uh, 20, verse 21. Jehoshaphat, right? And so Israel's up against uh, an army that, they can't win. Like, it's impossible. The army is a gajillion times bigger, stronger, better, everything about it. It is impossible. There is no way that we can win this. And I think sometimes we get into places, I know I've had those in my life. Holly's had those. My parents have had those things where it was the Red Sea impossible in our life. It was something so big that you almost, you, right, you're like, what, what am I supposed to do? Well, how many people know that God is bigger than anything that's impossible in your life? Come on, somebody out there. He's bigger, right? So Jehoshaphat does something so different, so backwards. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise to him for the splendor of his holiness, and they went out ahead of the army. You're telling me that your plan was is to send the praise team up ahead of the people with the, eye, with the swords and the shields. That's the most backwards thing I've ever heard in my life. Yet it is what brought them the victory. It confused everybody and they ended up winning the battle. They put the praise God team up ahead and I want you to know today that victory has to respond to your praises. It has to respond that when I praise God and I begin to thank God for what God has done and what God is going to do, when I begin to praise him, even though there seems like there's no reason to praise right now, it seems like it's insurmountable, it seems like it's certain defeat, that the victory has to respond. God begins to bring everything that I need to be able to have victory in that moment. But it's backwards. I can't imagine in today's, right, you're watching the news or whatever, and, and, like if I was running the SWAT team and we were going into the cartel, we're gonna bust them up. And I'm like, all right guys, here we go, here's the plan. Oh, you got guns, yeah, put your guns down. We don't need guns today, right? Uh, uh, so, no, we got a better, we got more powerful things today. Over in the crate, hey, Bubba and Johnny, I need you guys to grab some tambourines. You're gonna rock those things today. We're gonna really hit those tambourines over there, right? All right, hey, hey Pete and Fred, all right, there's a couple loots in there. Really, just, really, just go to town on those. All right, Arnold, all right, there's a flag in there. Big, long flag, about 15 feet. I need you to do some dancing with that thing. Just really work that flag, and we're gonna go in, and we're gonna take over this thing. The rest of you, we're gonna sing, this is how we fight our battles, and we're gonna go on in there, right? People be like, you are crazy. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yet, 
This is how we fight our battles. We have to have in our, inside of us, when we begin to go through things, that the first thing we do is not complain. The first thing we do isn't to talk about how big the mountain is. It isn't to com- tell everybody how big the, no, our first thing that we do is we send the praise out. That we begin to praise God in the midst of whatever we are going through. And it puts joy and puts victory up ahead of me. I grew up, so me and Holly been married 30 years was our anniversary this year. And we, we you know, it's funny how God puts opposites together. I don't know if you all, like we're, we have a lot of opposites. She is strong where I am weak and I am weak where she is strong. And we, we right, we, to do marriage together is incredible how God put it all together. And we grew up, what's funny is you grow up with different backgrounds and you kind of bring some of that stuff in, into the home. And one of the things that I, I grew up extremely poor. And in our home, we were very poor. So, so running out of stuff and not having stuff, right, it, it affects me in, in a different way. I mean, we grew up, I like with my kids, right? My kid, I don't know if your kids come in and they're like, there's nothing to eat in here. And I go, you don't know what that looks like. Because when me and my brother opened the fridge and there was nothing to eat, it's because there was moldy cheese and old stale tortillas, and that was it. There were some McDonald's uh, packages, some Taco Bell sauce, and that was all in the fridge. Yet we were like the MacGyver of food. That moldy, you just scrape the mold. Anybody else ever do that? The mold, there's good cheese underneath there, amen. You take those tortillas, you throw it in the microwave with a wet paper towel, 12 seconds, that thing is soft, good as new, for seven seconds, and then it turns into something so hard Right, you could never eat that thing. It, you got seven seconds to eat it, right? And then it turns into titanium. And we would, we were always out of everything except for my dad was a magician with condiments, right? Dad would out of ketchup. My dad would go over, right? So and then he'd come back. He'd be shaking the ketchup bottle. Come on, somebody out there, and it would be half full. I'm like, Jesus turned water into wine. How many people know my dad could turn water into ketchup? It was incredible. I was in my 30s before I realized that ketchup was supposed to be thick. Because you just, right? It was just water down the hammer, right? Shampoo was the same thing, right? Shampoo, we never ran out of shampoo growing up. So, so it bugs me to run out of, out of stuff. It really does. I, I get a little crazy. So if we run out, like, and so Holly doesn't, like, she's very organized. Like, everything's organized. So when I buy big things, because I'm like, you should never run out of ketchup. So I buy, you know, the big ketchup, big fight, right? Because she buys the little, hey, little, boop, and you're done. Like, she likes the little things, organized. And so, you know, I like the big stuff. She likes, and so we've compromised, and we just do little stuff. That's all, so it's a great compromise. Right? Uh, so we, like we ran out of cereal once and I just want to have a bowl of cereal. We're out of cereal. So I get crazy. I go down and I'm like, I'm the man of the house. We ain't going to run out of cereal anymore. And so I bought 12 boxes of cereal because I'm not going to run out again. And I'm the man. And, I'm, I, right, I'm, right? and so I come home and I put one box in the pantry and then I hide 11 in the garage. Right? <laughs> so I got cereal. Anytime we run out, I go out. So we, ra- we, we ran out. We were having pot roast and we ran out of potatoes. I went to get potatoes, there's no potatoes. And I'm like, how do you run out of, you should never run out of potatoes. Potatoes last forever. Like you put them in there and you go, right? And they actually grow new potatoes. That's what's crazy about the potato. <laughs> you put a potato there and a year later there's six potatoes. It is, G, right, it's the fish story with the bread. So I was so annoyed. I went down, I got four potatoes and then I bought two of the big bags of potatoes. 
I went and hid the bags of potato in the pantry, had the four potatoes that night, and then the next day, me and my brother, we went to a, a pastor's conference, so we flew out, and our kids at the time were both in kindergarten, they were both going to the same kindergarten class, same teacher and everything, and so we had a little break, I'm outside talking to Jason, all of a sudden my phone rings, is Holly, and Holly goes, why do we have two big bags of potatoes? And I'm like, oh no, she found my potatoes. And I don't know, I think, I believe that God gave it because it came so fast to me. I didn't think about it, I never had planned it, and just out of me, I just go, well, you remember last Friday when I, I picked Savvy up, you know, from her kindergarten class? She goes, yeah. I go, the teacher came out to the car, and she said, hey, I need you to bring two bags of potatoes next Friday to class, we're doing something. And she goes, really? I go, yeah, which is tomorrow. I go, yes, we, so I got, I, I, she goes, well, thank you so much. I go, well, no problem, I, I'm just there for you. And my brother's there and I go, oh, and Kelly was supposed to bring two bags also. I don't know if she knows or not because I'm gonna bring him into this also. And she goes, all right, thanks. One minute later, Kelly calls my brother, that's his wife, and, she, and you hear me, he goes, and he's even, he's better than I am. He goes, I guess, yeah, we need two bags of potatoes, and she, he goes, you know, and it, it's, it's for experiment. You know how they do the little electricity for the experiment? Everybody's bringing the wires and everything else. The Andersons are in charge of the potatoes. And then he hung up, and then we began to laugh. Now, what's funny about this is, I at least had bought my wife the two bags of potatoes. Kelly had to drag her four kids down to the grocery store that night, go buy two big bags of potatoes, right? In the morning, they, had, they drove to school, they couldn't drop the kids off like normally, they had to park and then carry, carry two bags of potatoes all the way across the entire campus, all the way to the kindergarten room, and then knock on the door, and when the teacher opened the door, I'm sorry, hold on. When the teacher opened it, I can tell you this, the teacher in 37 years has never opened the door to a parent holding two bags of potatoes. As Holly stood there with two bags of potatoes, the teacher goes, hello, and Holly goes, hello. And then the teacher kind of looked, and then Holly goes, what do you want me to do with them? And the teacher goes, with what? <laughs> Holly goes, with the potatoes. And the teacher goes, what do, you, what do you mean with the potatoes? Why would I want potatoes? And then Holly is so protective of me. <laughs> and I know she was already annoyed that the teacher had asked her to bring potatoes. That's unreasonable, right? And so she was already annoyed she had to bring potatoes to the classroom. And she goes, you talked to my husband last week and told him to bring two packs of potatoes. The teacher goes, I've never asked for potatoes in my life. <laughs> How many people know I didn't put joy in my future? Come on, somebody, there was no joy up ahead. But I think that we carry sacks of potatoes of grief and disappointment and frustration with going on in our lives out into the future rather than carrying praise. Can I get an amen anywhere out there? When I carry the praise of God, things begin to change. Here we see in Hebrews uh, 13, 19 says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice. I like, somebody say sacrifice. Sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that openly profess his name is fruit. It's what comes out of our mouth. And it's a sacrifice. Sometimes we're in church and things in life are not going the way they should. And things, it could be relation, it could be the merit, it could be the kids, the teenager, whatever it is. And it is a sacrifice at that moment in the midst of our despair to praise God. But I'm here to tell you that it's that sacrifice of praise that makes 
right victory respond to it. The world responds, right? The world has their praise after they have victory. God goes, no, no, that's backwards. We praise before we ever have the victory, and it's the praise that brings the victory into our lives. David arguably is one of maybe top 10 most successful people the world has ever known. If you think about his life, he went from being a shepherd boy to being king of Israel. That doesn't happen. That does not happen, right? He beats Goliath. He has all of Israel chasing him down, trying to kill him. He overcomes, he goes from victory to victory to victory. No matter how bad things were, he seemed to always find a way with God's help to come out on top every single time. But what was David? David was a masculine, right? Sometimes men are like, well, I'm not a praise. No, no, David was a guy who, who grabbed a, a, a lion by the beard and killed a lion, right? He grabbed a bear, right? He was a masculine man. But the one thing that we know about David is he was a praiser. He praised God at all times. You read the book of Psalms, and he's like, the enemy is all around me. They're at the north, south, east, and west. He's like, oh, so why are you down? He's talking to his soul, but then he goes, but yet I will praise my God, because my God will bring a victory. He has never left me nor forsaken me. He is a shield and a buckler in my life, that he is the one that is orchestrating the victory up ahead. You find that David, no matter where he was at, at his worst moments, his worst times, his entire family has been stolen. But he says, no, 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 I'm gonna praise my God. And I'm here to tell you all, if we'll live a life of praising, victory will respond to us. Victory will come to us. Victory will make its way to us. David saw it time and time again. If we'll just wake up and just praise God. In 2008, uh, we, with Arizona had the worst real estate crash, second worst uh, in the nation. I think you all got hit. Everybody got hit, but we got hit super hard. And uh, we lost five properties, lost our house, lost everything, lost everything. Everything was lost. And we had to, for the first time since we got married, had to move in with my parents for a period of time. And what a, what a low point of life. But I made a decision on that very first morning. The very first morning I decided I'm gonna start every morning off with praise. First thing that I do is I would get praise on the phone and then I would just sit there and do and just praise, praise God. Didn't feel like it, didn't want to praise. It was a sacrifice because life was annoying at that time. We had lost everything we have and every single morning I would start off with praise. And wouldn't you know, in less than a decade, we got everything we lost plus a whole lot more back into our life. Come on, somebody out there. Who pray? The world does not praise when they're down. We do. Because when I praise when I'm down, I begin to elevate and escalate my life to a point of victory. David was a praiser. I wanted to read here this uh, passage here as we're closing up out of 1 Chronicles. Just to give you, and you can read the whole six, uh, 1 Chronicles 16, the whole chapter is incredible. This is how Dave, uh, David praises. He says, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell all of his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord Rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength, not the government, not the boss, not the job. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done 
and his miracles. David's like, what I do when I'm down is I remember what God has done. It builds up my faith, it builds up my expectation, it changes my hope of what is going on up in my future. That David was somebody who lived a life that praised on the mountaintops and he praised in the valleys. He lived a life of praise and because of that, he lived one of the most victorious lives man has ever known. He was a praiser. Holly had given me this story when I, when I was talking about, me, her and I were going over this, this teaching and she brought up the story. I, 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 it has eluded me for 54 years. I didn't know this story. And uh, it's a story of David had just uh, become king and they had just gone and got the Ark of the Covenant back. And so they've gotten the ark, and now they're taking it to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem, we know, is Zion. It, is, it, it, it means peace, right? It means joy. It's up ahead, right? The ark is God with us. You and I take God wherever, when we get saved, we take God with us wherever we're going. We want to go to joy, and we want to go to peace, which is up ahead of us. David made everyone, every six steps, uh, it was every six steps, they had to stop they had to pause and they had to praise. Every six steps. And I told my wife, I go, that's obnoxious. I can't even, my mathematical mind can't even comprehend how long that would take to get just from here to there. If we were as a church decided we're just gonna go across the street and every six steps we had to stop, pause, and praise, I'm like, that is obnoxiously almost, if I can use the word annoying, to have to do it so much, but as I began to think about it and meditate on it, I thought, David is trying to teach his nation the power of praise in an obnoxious way that every six steps, we are gonna give praise to God. Every six steps, and it made me think, what if we all made, right, maybe the month of, the rest of the month of September, every six steps, we pause to praise. Make it so obnoxious in our lives where we begin to see such a power and a change in the problems. You get up in the morning and the first thing you do is you praise God. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and I will be glad. You go downstairs and you look around and maybe your family and you, or maybe just what you got and the fridge you open it up. You got some old tortillas and some cheese and you say I praise God that you have provided for me. You have always provided. I have always had a sufficient amount. I praise you for what I got and I praise you for what is up ahead. You get into your car and you're like, man, this 20 year old Nissan Sentra, but I remember God when you gave me this car. I prayed for this car. This was a miracle in my life. I praise you as I, oh, it started up. Lord, I praise you that it started up, Lord. Oh, I praise you, Lord. I praise you for the new car, my dream car that up ahead and I praise you for what I got and I praise you for what I got and as I go to my job and my office right and I get there to the job that has been frustrating me for the last month but then I remember that I had prayed for this job and there were 10 people that applied for the job but you got me this job God this was a miracle job and I will rejoice in the miracle you have given me my attitude now is an attitude that I'm going to make a difference in this company I'm going to make a difference in this place I rejoice Lord that I have 
of favor. I rejoice, Lord, that, Lord, you bring me everything for success, that sales come my way. I rejoice for the sales I've had and the sales I'm gonna have. I rejoice for the, pro- for the promotion that is coming my way, Lord. I rejoice as I go home, on my way home, I'm already rejoicing for those that are there. If you're single, I rejoice for my Boaz that is up ahead of me, and if i am got a married, I rejoice for the wife that you have given. You know, the difference between a great marriage and a bad marriage has so much to do with rejoicing. If you could get back together about rejoicing for what God has given you, right? That God has given, the Bible says that the wife is the greatest gift God has ever given you. You begin to rejoice that he gave you, right? You begin to rejoice for her good characteristics. Stop thinking about the few things that are wrong and rejoice over everything that is right about her, right? All of a sudden, marriage begins to change. My day begins to change. My life begins to change because we as a church, imagine if we as a church took time to pause and praise all throughout September. Come on, somebody. We do it obnoxious. We are obnoxious praisers. People in the office are like, what are you doing? You're like, I'm just praising God. I'm just praising, I'm just taking a moment just to praise God. And what happens though is the world, because here's what happens, they begin to see that sales come your way that never used to come your way. They see opportunities and doors open for you that never used, your family's like, okay, something's different about your life. You're like, yes, my God is bringing me victory on all fronts of my life because I praise my God in the high times and in the low times. I'm a praiser. Let's be obnoxious and praise God in the month of September. And I believe that what'll happen is you'll continue on in October and in December. And I believe that you're gonna bring such victory into 2024 that 2024 is gonna be your best year yet. I believe that you're gonna finish strong in 2023. You're gonna be like the last three months were crazy. First nine months were, were not as good, but the last three months ended up being the best year yet. We finished the year as praisers. Praise God, Lord. I praise you, God, for everything you're doing. I praise God for everybody here, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I praise you for the victory that is up ahead of them. I praise you for your timing, Lord that your timing is the perfect timing, your way is the perfect way, that your hand is upon every one of their lives, Lord, that you, Lord, we praise you for the doors that you are opening that no man can close. We praise you, Lord, for business opportunities. We praise you for business ideas. We praise you that your blessings come to us even in the times of famine, that your blessings are chasing us down. We praise you for victories we don't even know about. You've been working behind the scenes for victories that I don't even realize you been working on my behalf, Lord. We praise you, Lord, that what the devil tried to steal, that you were returning seven times in 2023, Lord. We praise you, Lord, that you are a good God, a great God that works on our behalf. We praise you, Lord, for relationships that are being restored, for children coming back to their mother and their father, and they are stronger than they were before. We praise you, Lord, for marriages that are getting stronger in 2023. Those things that were broken are being put back together, Lord. We praise you for healing in the body, that there will be none sick among us, Lord, that these bodies are healthy and these bodies are whole, that we have things to do. We praise you for the loss that you will bring in here, Lord. We praise you for the souls that will be saved. We are praising you for the difference that we will make. We're praising you for the hope that we bring into the workplace, the hope we bring into the family. We praise you, Lord, that you are the God of hope, that you are the God of overcoming, that you are the God of 
victory, Lord. We praise you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We praise you for our teenagers, right, whose paths are being straightened out. Lord, we praise you right now for the ambition to get in their heart, that they have a, a, a fire in them to get closer to you, Lord, that there's a revival that happens in our youth, in our children, Lord, a revival that cannot be stopped, Lord, a revival in our city, Lord, that this city, right, Lord, as we pause to praise, we see in this city being taken over for Jesus Christ right now, that you're using this church, Lord. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. It's simple, it's easy. The Bible says whosoever believes. If you're whosoever and you believe, you're going to heaven. It's that simple. The Bible says no man can earn, earn their way into heaven and get there and brag. Jesus died for all the sins, not just a few. So if you'll believe in Jesus, right? Died on the cross and raised from your, the dead for your sins, you're saved, right? And I know you're gonna make mistakes, we all make, I make tons of mistakes all the time, right? Those mistakes may make life a little harder, but they don't change my eternity. The devil wants you to believe that you're not good enough, but Jesus died so you didn't have to be good enough because Jesus was good enough for you. So we're gonna say a prayer out loud. If you say it with me and believe it, you are saved. Everybody out loud, please. Heavenly Father, I ask you right now, come into my life, be my Lord and my Savior. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for all my sins and was raised from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, somebody give the Lord a hand clap, everybody. The Lord, all heaven rejoices. That's so much fun for you. Tonight, as we continue with spiritual family, uh, the conference, we're going to, me and my wife, one, we have a great message tonight. We're going to do questions and answers What are great. You may have some parents out there, you're like, their kids need it, or grandkids or something. Bring them out, and uh, then we're going to have the opportunity tonight to lay hands and anoint all the families and everybody that is here. And so the anointing that's, come on, the anointing that is on us, that we have great joy with our family. We want to anoint you and impart that tonight. So I encourage you to come back. If you learn anything at all, give the Lord a hand clap and a loo, 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 loo.